Okay. Shall we podcast? Let's yeah. pod the cast. That's no, the cast. that's not what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what potting the cast is, but that's that's not what we're doing. It sounds I'm wrong. Urban Dictionary. We are gonna pod Uh-oh. the cast. <laughs> uh oh, that's good in very badly. Whatever it means, we're doing it. <laughs> Probably doesn't mean anything. Nope, I got a shruggy face. Oh. There aren't any definitions for pod the cast yet. We'll make it yet. Yes. Yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Today on Rogue Padron, meet Colonel Roat, Eris's perfect disguise, a whole new world for Gavin, field trip to the Imperial Museum. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue Six standing by. Rogue Seven standing by. Rogue Three standing by. Welcome to Season 2, Mission 5 of Rogue Padron. Today we'll be talking about Chapters 14 through 17 of X-Wing Wedges Gamble. But before then, quick reminder of your hosts. We have Saf, Rogue 7, who thinks that Snow has to secretly be a Bothan since they're the evilest in the galaxy. Heck yeah, I do. We have Danny, Rogue 6, who believes that Ray's parents are most likely descendants of Key Eddie Mundy. Oh my god, that would uh, be amazing. Yeah, what? <laughs> I never realized that I thought that until this moment, but I do. You do. Ray, <laughs> you believe it. Ray Eddie You're here, folks. I think I made that joke on Twitter before already. Let me find it. Who knows? We have Heath, Rogue 3, who is convinced that Abraham Lincoln had a brief cameo in Race Force Vision. He was absolutely all over that vision. <laughs> Uh, Just like Lincoln, all over it. <laughs> and I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I'm pretty sure Luke is going to wake up at the end of episode 9 and figure out that it was all a dream. Oh, oh no. Wait. I would be Define so mad. pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure it's going to happen. <laughs> well, speaking of Meg being wrong, I have a question about Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> So we've heard some uh, rumors lately that, to probably no one's surprise, Disney and Star Wars are planning to do um, another Force Friday for Rogue One toys. So, um, based on what little we know about the movie, what kind of Rogue One toy do you want to buy? I want Asian guy action figure. A what? Oh, is it Asian guy action figure? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I want the ladies. I'm gonna get old lady figures. We're all stereotypes. <laughs> we are. I want the aliens. <laughs> I want the X-wing. <laughs> I oh, actually, Captain they America. do have like little, the little titanium like new like I don't know like pre a New Hope X-wings. I I want those too. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't actually look at the stuff because I'm trying not to spend money, so I didn't want to be like, oh, Force Friday, look at all this good stuff, and then be like, oh, no. <laughs> no. Money. I'll probably buy, like, one thing, and it'll be, like, a three-quarter-inch, like, figure of Felicity Jones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, does it... I guess, is it is it going to be, like, the same, like, breadth as it was before? Because, like, all the clothing lines and fabric lines and stuff like that? Or is it going to be, like, more dealing with toys specifically? I think it's going to be pretty scaled back, probably. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, that was kind of my follow-up, because it, uh, as we know, it's uh, more adult-themed, supposedly. Mm-hmm. We could be looking at our first R-rated Star Wars movie. Like, how are they going to target these toys if it's not, you know? Or, like, yeah. who, who, who's the demographic they're going for, I guess, with the toys for this movie? Well, I feel like they'll have to put out a lot of stuff that's collectors level, right? Yeah. Like the the small figures are going to be f- like fine, but they're going to have to put out higher quality stuff in order to like actually make the money. I think they think they're going to make um, because it is going to be a more of adult focused 
movie and and because it's like no one really knows about it like there are a lot of like casual star wars fans who are still like i don't know what this is Mm -hmm. so they have to target fans who are already like in the know and are more like diehard Mm -hmm. well but don't they also need to target those fans that are like i don't know somehow to like make them know so that it'll get them hyped up for the movie like how do you is there a way you can use the toys to bring in people that don't know about the movie I guess that's what's kind of difficult because, like, all I like all we know about Rogue One is that it's a war movie, mm-hmm. and so like I can't really imagine the things that they're going to market besides like action figures, because like as far like it'd be major spoilers if like there was a lightsaber that came out, or like even blaster weapons and stuff like that. Like I can't. Or, like, play scenes and things like that. Like, it's nobody knows what's going on, so I feel like you're so limited in what you can produce. Because, like, I think a lot of the toys that came out on Force Friday were, like, those action figures, right? Black Series stuff, um, as well as, like, the normal ones. But there wasn't a lot of, you know, play sets or the Legos or the things that we see now. Mm-hmm. And TFA's Force Friday had this weird problem where they were being so secretive with the movie that so much of the stuff that actually came out on Force Friday like didn't even end up in the film or were like background characters. Zuvio. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Hey. I have a feeling that they're going to be far less secretive about Rogue One as mm-hmm. it like actually kicks into gear, the marketing for it. And I think we'll see that reflected in the merchandise like it's gonna be the main characters front and center on and in everything to because like these are presumably characters nobody knows so i think they kind of like need to introduce them to us more so than they did with tfa because like that whole thing was just a mystery i don't think that's gonna happen again Mm. so intriguing Hmm. because it is so different from tfa that right I don't know what their plan is. And it is hard yeah. to speculate it's when really we still hard. have no marketing, uh, you know, essentially yeah. for the movie. I mean, that's the thing, is that there's no marketing for Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, God, we don't, like, oh, man, we really just don't know anything about that movie, and it's frustrating me at this point now, because it's like, <laughs> I want I want to know, I want to see right. the characters, I want to know their names, I want to know what they're doing, at least somewhat. I mean, because, like, we at least knew that, like, Finn was a stormtrooper, and, like, Poe was a pilot, and Ray was a scavenger. Like, we don't know anything about these characters. Like, are they X-Wing pilots? Are they just soldiers? Are they even mm-hmm. rebels? We don't know. And I right. really want to know. Yeah. Seth, I'm going to send you so many Bothan action figures. <laughs> Please, I swear to God. Is that, they're the second Death Star, Danny. I, I think there's going to be a Bothan. Well, maybe they movie. really failed on the first. <laughs> they just really failed on the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, uh, I hope there's no Bothans. I think Alatudu is going to be a Bothan. I'm going to stand by that. That's my big prediction. I'm going to walk out of the theater. No, you're not. (laughs) You're just going to yell racist things, maybe. (laughs) Yes, all Bothans. Anyway. (laughs) Whenever the Bothan does something, I'll just be like, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Typical Bothan. (laughs) What a loser. (laughs) be like, what are you talking about? Like the Bothans. Everyone around you will be like, "What does? What do these people have against Bothans? They're the worst." <laughs> I really want there to be a Bothan in this movie now. I know, so just much fun. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> I like it. That's very rogue pot of us. It's yeah. very rogue pot of us. Ah, <laughs> uh, speaking of rogue pot. Let's jump into the chapter discussion. <laughs> Rogue Padron towing the line of racism since 2015. <laughs> <laughs> it's speciesism. Speciesism. <laughs> very, very different. <laughs> Duh. Of course. Um, <laughs> so, when we start off in chapter 14, um, remember that the rogues are now being dispersed on secret missions into Coruscant. So, we start with Wedge who is in disguise on a transport into Imperial Center. And he's dressed as Colonel Antar Roat. Be careful with how you pronounce that. Because Star Wars. Yeah. Because he'll get really mad at you if you mispronounce it. <laughs> but at least they actually told us how to pronounce it. That's true. 
Because I did read it as wrote in my head the first time, and then he freaked out about it, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I like that he, like, he actually got mad at you about Thank, it. <laughs> thanks for the clarification, Wedge. <laughs> <laughs> so Wedge has like a robot hand, metal face plates, robotic eyes, all this other stuff um, under the guise that he's heading into Imperial Center for reconstructive surgery. And it thankfully completely hides like any recognizable part of Wedge, and he is probably the most recognizable member of Rogue Squadron, as well as drawing a lot of attention to the robot parts, not any, like, human features about him, and that people would be, like, really embarrassed to be caught staring at him because it's kind of rude. So it's a really great disguise um, for Wedge in particular. And um, Roat is also a pilot who was supposed who supposedly got his injuries at the Battle of Lydae, Vladet, Vlade, I don't know, um, which was in the very first, which was in the last book. And Wedge was there, and he was a pilot, so he can actually talk knowledgeably about it in case anyone tries to trip him up with questions. So, good job, Elder Kraken. (laughs) (laughs) So, So wait, does this mean that Wedge is, like, super famous? Well, so he's one of the people that, remember that before... They reestablished Rogue Squadron. He was kissing did, babies. Yeah, they did tours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Visiting remember. all of the planets who yep. were liberated from the Empire, right? So his mug is probably like all over Imperial propaganda. Yep. Um, really recognizable. His, his very attractive mug. Yeah. <laughs> attractive. All the ladies are swooning over this rogue. Oh. There's okay. There's an excerpt in a book like later on that's just so good about Wedge's looks. <laughs> okay, I can't wait for that. It's amazing. <laughs> You'll know See, when you oh, so I have it highlighted in my Kindle. It's very important. <laughs> so, but, so he's not like famous in that if he steps off the ship as Wedge, people are gonna be like, "Oh my God, Wedge Gentiles!" But like people would recognize, be like, yeah. "Oh, sign I'm my re- rebellion poster, famous. Wedge." Right. <laughs> I have all your albums. <laughs> I have all your hollows. <laughs> I have all your hollows. <laughs> but yeah, like people would recognize Wedge, and especially like people like maybe in like the military or security, he might actually be on one of their active warrants. So Wedge is probably one of the most like he doesn't want to take any chances going through security, getting into Coruscant. Yep. So Wedge, and presumably the other rogues, um, have, like, three different identities set up in them. So for Wedge, Colonel Roat is for insertion, and one he has another one for walking around and fulfilling objectives, and then he has a different one for extraction. So they are prepared going into this. And, um, you know, Wedge doesn't know what his next, his last one is yet, but he'll figure that out when they get to it. Question, do they, like, yes. have a budget for this like a, a costuming lots. budget within the rebellion lots of money and like fashion designers basically to put the characters together for them that's amazing yes yeah that I is want a that. special I want that department job. under the elder kraken Good. uh the elder kraken yeah that's right as I was um, reading these chapters, I was like, this is like Ocean's Eleven Star Wars style. It's so good. Yes! <laughs> yes. I was thinking so that good. too. I love it. Yeah, these chapters are super fun. Um, and the rest of the book is really fun because they're all like on Coruscant doing their thing. And um, so Wedge is on the ship and the richy riches of Imperial Center, like he watches them and he notices that they use all of their money to try to forget like the fact that the rebellion is a thing and that either because of the rebellion or because of other warlords or people who want to take over um, from ice hard that the days of the empire are numbered but like people are still deluding themselves that everything's fine i'm just gonna live my super cool posh life and so people are pretty removed in the upper echelon on imperial center and uh, Wedge goes on a rant about politics, and he says that the problem is that all sides can make reasonable and logical arguments for their points of view, and so you go through round upon round of discussion, and no solution will ever be reached. So, I feel this you, Wedge. This is too real right Same. now, honestly. Yeah. Not at all that, relevant. I was like, yep, that's our world. Yep. <laughs> Especially because it's election season. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Although, are all sides really making reasonable and logical arguments? Well, uh, to them, they are. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, That's yeah. the problem. And that From just shows how ingrained I am in the political system that I have that perspective, doesn't it? 
right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a victim um, of the system. And uh, Wedge thinks that the only time that serious change can be made was when an individual is willing to die for what they believed in. And absent that basic commitment, a commitment most imperial citizens were not prepared to make, the Empire will continue to exist in one form or another, institutionalizing evil, which was also too real. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, it it reminded me of my like my job interview I had to get to my like most recent job that the the CEO that I interviewed with um, he asked me if there was anything that like. I believed in that I would die for, and I thought it was a very weird interview. Wow, question. that is a very intense question. <laughs> it was intense. Did you did say you, did this you have an job for it? I said, I said, I couldn't think of like an idea or a thing, but I said there were people that I would protect with my life. I like that answer. I would probably answer with a similar thing. Yeah, because I was like, uh, <laughs> this is so weird. There's not really, like, because you, you prepare for, like, interview questions. There's not really a question you're, here, you prepare for. my weaknesses, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, it's a really um, good theme, though. And I think, like, maybe dying for a cause is a little extreme. But I think it does speak to, you know, the amount of complacency, you know, in the real world for a yeah. lot of things that people just can't be motivated enough to care and that's why nothing ever changes and why we all just complain about it without anything ever actually happening right i mean it's, it's people who think that if they retweet something that it makes an impact <laughs> yeah um, rather than being like hey i'm gonna go volunteer my time or give my money or something like that right there are actually yeah. actions you can take rather than just like you know thinking about doing it or being like oh i totally support this but not actually doing anything to show that you support it like the rebellion like yes it needs your well wishes but it also needs an actual act of support from all of us at rogue padron to all of you go out into the world and make a difference uh okay that's exactly cool. what i've done my social activism but for the month that, that was way too serious for our brand. Yeah, it really was. Let's make a joke about eggplants. Let, it's okay. Be real here. Pash that is coming. Far too serious for us. Pash is coming. Go make a difference. Pash murder in. some boffins. <laughs> Back on track. Nice. Pash is actually the one who's paired with Wedge, and he is disguised as Imperial Prefect Perrin Dot. Okay, um, what's an imperial prefect? Because I have Percy Weasley in my head right now. Basically, yeah, Percy too. Weasley. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. So he's like an imperial, like snooty nosed person who just like yeah, he's a he's an imperial brown noser. Yeah, brown noser. Okay, good. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he gets to wear a badge. Just go around and being like, yeah, fancy badge always looks nice. Yells at people when you know you should really respect the empire more. Like, they're tattletales, you know. Kylo Ren would have been such a great Imperial Prefect. Oh, I know. So gross. Anything for the praise of his grandpa. So, so Pash and Wedge have this conversation, and, you know, they they use certain code words, and so Pash says, this has very, been a very smooth flight, which means that security wasn't extremely tight, but it also wasn't more lax than they expected. So the Empire kind of has their stuff together still. And it also signals that Pash had no trouble fitting in with, like, the other Imperials, and that their cover should be good if they can get through spaceport security. Pash out. Um, Pash out. Pash out. So, (laughs) once they get through customs, like, Wedge corrects the guy in pronouncing Roet, and gives him some mouth, which, of course, the snooty Imperial guy's like, oh, you should have just died, but doesn't actually say it to him because he's a wuss. Um, (laughs) But, so, nothing happens. They're fine. They got through. And one of the Elder Kraken's agents meets Wedge and Pash at the spaceport. And they confirm her identity with correct responses to Wedge's questions. And we find out the agent is Yellow Wasiri, Corrin's old Corsac partner. Wow. This was another example of me being bad at names because I read that and I was like, cool, a new lady. And then, like, it wasn't until that Cor- uh-huh. that we just like, this name is familiar that I was like, is it? Have we heard and this then, before? Like, wedge. Should I remember this? And your wedge is like, oh, it is familiar. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad wedge remembered for me. Yes, yes. 
And so she's pretty cute because when she realizes it's Wedge because he takes his his metal face plates off, you know, she recognizes him from some limited run wanted posters from Corellia. <laughs> and then when she recognizes Pesh, she also like starts to blush because like she's with two big deals of the rebellion right now. Yeah. And awesome. um That's super cute. She's kinda like just Pava. Yeah, yeah. She likes I like her a lot. She is. She's a great character. She's really great. I'm really glad um, she's in it. And uh, so Wedge, you know, thinking about everything that Korn said about her, he feels really good about this turn of events, which is the least we could ask for. I really like how Wedge drops, like, oh, blah, 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 because of Corsac. And she's like, oh, you know about Corsac? And he's like, I do, but I can't say why, because we're on a secret mission. (laughs) Right? Can't say how. <laughs> so dumb. I'll tell you later. <laughs> so, um, chapter 15 starts off with a very beautiful line that is, Cornhorn felt miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> so, we already know that him and um, Eresy are paired up. And so he's d- in disguise as a Kuwati Telboon um, to complement Ares' disguise. And so he's covered in a bunch of layers of hot, super starched, uncomfortable fabric to render him like featureless, basically. And he gets treated like absolute garbage by Rusi. And although like people are totally digging on her, they still all pity him because she's being really awful. <laughs> It's it's creepy, but they're kind of like I could like being in a, his position, but she's a bit too mean, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, I totally want to bang her, but she's a little too mean. <laughs> the part where Seth he wrote like they could all imagine what she would look like naked. Uh, why did why? Oh, I just I rolled my eyes so hard. They basically just blew right out my face. <laughs> right. We all knew. We all knew what that outfit was. Okay, J Lo wears it every time to the Grammy. <laughs> 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 Fan casting. What, what's your current uh, aesthetic? JLo at the Grammys. JLo at the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. This was so totally Fifty out... Shades of Rogue Squadron here, though. It's so I, good. This, like, they're both really little, into the role playing. A messed up. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, they both really like what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> um,. We find out that a Telboon is a highly talented middle class member from Kuop that is brought that is bought by the upper class merchant families to produce offspring. <laughs> so Eris's family bought Corin, her Telboon, so that they can have a baby and she can have an heir to her merchant like wealth. And the child will be part of the merchant family, but will have all of the talents and skills and will be personally tutored by the Telboon. Um, and the Telboon family gets paid very well in exchange. So everyone thinks of it, I guess, as like a win-win situation. <laughs> it's so weird. It's, it's so, so weird. weird. It's really weird. But like they, you know, they bring up that the Kuadins, like they think that you know, it's great because it always, it, it means that you can't manipulate children in business deals. It means you can't, um, like, it prevents, like, inbreeding in the richer houses. And, like, all these are things where I'm like, I get it, but do you really have to buy them and then treat them like property? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing I don't like about it. I'm all, I'm all for kids not being manipulated in, like, parental disputes, Right. but this is just a bit weird. But yeah. the they don't even have a name, right? He's just Telboon. Um, yeah. So that's a thing. And they make it to their ship. They're actually on the same ship as Wedge and Pashar, but they're up in ultra class, <laughs> um, which was ridiculous sounding. <laughs> it's so absurd. <laughs> and and um, like Wedge and Pashar were just in first class. Like, <laughs> okay. Lowly first class. Yes. Yeah. Lowly first class, I wish. So they make it out to their shuttle with only a small confrontation with the customs officer because, remember, Erisi's terrible. And when they're alone on the shuttle, um, Erisi tries to apologize to Corin, but Corin stays in character and, like, just kind of blows her off. 
And then she like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I realized that, you know, just because we're alone doesn't mean, um, you know, we're actually alone for realsies and we can drop the act. So they use the phrases, you are Telboon or I am Telboon. Do you understand? I understand. Um, to reassure one another that they know that they're just acting and they don't mean like the cruelties or disinterest they're displaying. <laughs> this is like a safe word, but for their emotions. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's if, like, if they're starting it to is. feel bad, they're just like pull out the phrase. It's like, oh, that's like, right. We're just so playing. Mean. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. <laughs> it's so weird. It's really weird. So then Corin, of course, has to go on about being like he doesn't know what his feelings for Reese are, um, and that like the reasons why Corin hasn't slept with her because of like mission security or a feeling of betraying Mirax. Ugh. And thinking okay, I've that... watched a lot of rom coms, <laughs> but Corin talks about his feelings way more than those movies ever do. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Too many feelings. <laughs> I um, um I actually started highlighting the paragraph where he started talking about his feelings because I was like, maybe we could do a dramatic reading about this. But then it literally went on for four pages. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not gonna read this. <laughs> this is just silly. I'm out. I'm out. So out. Um, I love that literally anytime Corn interacts with a female, there's an interlude of like, I could sleep with her, but... But... <laughs> I find her attractive, but... Daddy issues. Is this how Daddy guys issues. actually think? No! Like, I don't know. <laughs> just Corn. Yeah, just Corn. Wedge doesn't okay, think good. that. Wedge is like, oh, she's so capable. She was in Corsac. <laughs> True. Yes. I like so, Wedge. I, more guys yeah. need to be like Wedge. Or just maybe like they Corrin. are. Right. And I'm sure Pash was just like, God, do the mission. <laughs> He's very <laughs> mission-oriented. That's a everyone. podcast exclusive right here. Saf's advice to men. Be like Wedge. Yep. 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 That's advice to everybody, actually. Be like <laughs> yeah, Wedge. it really is. <laughs> so, and he also thinks that um, Eresy is way too rich for him. Because, like, she... Even if she wasn't being really mean, the ultra class is where she would stay as a like a person. She's she's nobility nobility on um, Typheria. Like that's how she spends money. That's how she thinks of objects and people. Right? That she has a, an amazing amount of privilege. And wedge not wedge. And Corin is like I'm super normal and. Like, I don't, like, I, I he couldn't understand how she can treat things this way. And he was super anxious all the time about, like, leaving a mess or, like, damaging property. Even though, like, for her, she can just re- buy a new couch. It doesn't matter. Um, I can identify with this, actually. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. So much. And it's just reading that, I was like, man, I feel you, Corin. I really do. Mm-hmm. For once in my life, I identify with Corin. Yeah. And um, he also mentions very briefly that sometimes she would be too into the mean things she says <laughs> and that you know he could see like the the little bit of truth in the things that she was doing so she's you know rich people are not always the nicest so get used to her corn and then he ends like all of his feelings with if he and Arisi could not be together then it was her loss not his <laughs> <laughs> oh Okay, Corn. All right, Corn. Good for you. Good self-esteem. People tell people say that like those things, right? You know, it's not, it's not because I'm not good enough, right? It's because you know they, it's their problem, it's their issue. But right, the just, fact that he was just 30 seconds ago thinking about the fact that he wanted to sleep with her, but he wasn't going to because of reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It takes away so a little work, bit buddy. of the impact of this noble statement that he's making now. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's not because his self-esteem needs a boost. That's right. not why he's saying this. His self-esteem no, is plenty it's just fine. <laughs> no maybe a little too needed. fine. Yeah, maybe he needs to be kicked down a couple notches. So, on the shuttle, um, Erisi and Corin meet their contact, Rima, who was the shuttle pilot. And Corin remarks that Rima looks a lot like Princess Leia, but with white hair. And okay, okay, wait. I, yeah. I love this already. Yeah, I'm in love with this lady. You should be. I have. Uh, I have a theory. I know who this is, so you should be. Right. I think mm-hmm. it's spoiled in the dramatis persona. Actually, don't love. Good thing I wasn't so paying attention to we that. We should just okay. We'll we'll, we'll <laughs> you move saw along. The forge name. 
Yeah, I saw I saw Forge and I was like, I'm good. I don't need to read anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's Evan's stat. Oh, Evan. <gasps> <laughs> no. That'd that, be was, that was a joke. Yeah, I know. Okay. That'd be so amazing. Um, but no. <laughs> but, uh, no. So she has set up with them um, new rooms and identities. And, and so Corin and Erisi are all set to go for when they land. And so then we move on to chapter 16, which is back in space with the super cute Gavin. And so I just before uh, we get into this, I just want like reading this section of chapters was, again, the Ocean's Eleven comparison, because it just felt like we were each chapter was checking in with a different team and it felt very cinematic. Like, yeah, we and went they're all to like, these different teams to all, see like yeah. the roles that they're playing and, and the way that they're all preparing for this mission as it's all about to go down. It was cool. It was so yeah. good. And I just need to say that a couple weeks ago, we asked who we would trade in Rogue Squadron for Luke, and I said Gavin, and I take it back. <laughs> because up to that point, Gavin just like hadn't done anything in yeah. this book, and I was like, well, who even is he? But he was awesome here. So This is a, this is a great Gavin chapter. Little cutie. Yeah, he's a cutie. So Gavin is on the Pulsar skate, with Mirax and her co-pilot, Liat. And it's really cute because, you know, he, he says that he's never thought of himself as a nerf herder. And he'd even been to Moss Eisley once. But, like, seeing <laughs> oh. Coruscant took his breath away. Oh, Gavin. So, I know, Moss Eisley. Ooh. <laughs> so, so exotic. Right? Like, but he would go into town, like, every month. Like, obviously a big, like, cool guy. <laughs> Can I read this excerpt just because it yes, emphasizes yes. how adorable he is? It, it's just a city, yes. the whole thing. One big, huge, really big city. Gavin spread his arms wide for emphasis, but hit hull before he thought he'd gotten the gesture right. It's <laughs> He's so, so cute. cute! It's so big! It's this big! Oh, well, I can't quite do it, but it's, it's so big! Right? Because now I imagine him being like, I love you this much, but like <laughs> smacking his hand so he can't extend all the way. Like, no, no, wait, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> this much. It's more. How this old, much. How old is he supposed to be? Seven. I think he's like 17 or 18. Okay. Oh, he's so young. Yeah. Um, because he, or like, probably 18, 19 by now. So because, like, like Luke, yeah. Luke in A New Hope. That yes, age. yes. Okay. Yep. And um, so the Pulsar Skate is undercover as the Marisi Hope, which is a known slave-running ship for a brothel um, on the edge of the Invisisec, or Invisec, whatever. And, of course, Gavin's like, I don't know what that means. And <laughs> Mirix explains that um, Invisec is the part of Coruscant known as, like, the Invisible Sector because most people like to pretend that it doesn't exist. And, like, they never talk about it by name. They always say there or they just don't talk about it at all um, because its official name is the Alien Protection Zone. And so from the mindset of Imperial Center, that's where all of the unsavory, unwanted types go. Um, you know, it's where a lot of illegal things happen. The black market runs um, Invisec, basically. And, you know, Mirax is like, oh, it's worse than Moss Eisley. And, of course, Gavin's like, how could anything be worse than Moss Eisley? <laughs> He's so weird. Innocent and young, and I just want to like wrap him up in a blanket and keep him away from the rest of these books. And um, so the aliens, some aliens who live um, in the Invisec, um, do have permits to leave it, the zone and work in other places, but the ones who can't have to stay and work in like the really crappy factories that are on the borders. So it's that's where they're going, and it's not a good. It's a rough and tumble place. <laughs> um. And they just mentioned that the Imperials try to reclaim um, Invisec land, but it generally gains two kilometers for everyone it loses. So it's spreading. And I I felt like there was something interesting there in the fact that, like, as much as the Imperials try to push, like, the aliens and all this other stuff out, like, they can't control it. And that, like, if they just waited long enough, like won't be a planet of humans anymore. So we find out that the other rogues are also on the ship. Um, so there's Noir, Ven, Riv, Sheel, 
um, Rasadi probably, and the other two non-humans, Errol and Oral. <laughs> that's, um, which that's is really funny. cute. Their names together. <laughs> Errol and Oral. <laughs> cute. Because. Noir, Venice, and Riv are the only ones who are named in that chapter, but um, as they go into Coruscant, Mirax says that there's three humans and five non-humans on the ship, which ends up being the rest of the squadron. They all go and get their new identities, which they've shipped with them, and Gavin opens his, and his is Vin Liger, um, which into anything named Vin, so we're good. And um, so who's... Vin Liger is a youngster who got in some trouble and conveniently hooked up with a Shistavanen, Shalir Resh, as played by Riv, um, to survive by robbing con men who targeted Vin due to his bumpkin nature. And Gavin's kind of freaking out right now and having some doubts about him belonging in Rogue Squadron as he feels like his fake identity has, you know, seen more places and has had more adventures at difficult times than he has so like how could he possibly play this guy and then the the next part of the chapter is a little bit of a flashback scene i loved of, this part so much it's so cute of him on tatooine on his like his his family's farm and um you know he's talking to his dad and his dad comes and says like oh gavin you know you have the dark lighter look which is you know a time when all dark lighters like go and look outside themselves to see what their purpose is. And, you know, Biggs did it. And that's why he was determined to go to the Academy and become a hero because he saw that out there for him. And, you know, he achieved it, you know, maybe um, Gavin's dad mentions that he wished he was a little bit less of a hero and had a little more to live. And then Huff, who is Big's dad, you know, he looked outside of himself, but ran from it. And, you know, that's why he's not the greatest guy right now. And, um, you know, Huff meddled with Biggs's trying to leave and it caused like a huge rift between them. And so they didn't see each other after Biggs left. Um, and so there's always going to be, you know, things unsaid between them because of what happened. And Gavin's dad instead gives him his blessing to leave and lets him know he'll always have a safe haven at home and says that this rebellion it has been without a dark lighter for too long it's time that problem was solved i like it when star wars has good fathers because that is very rare i know and it's nice seeing a good father-son relationship in in star wars because you know it kind of needs it it needs that too and it's, it's cute it's so cute seeing like a parent be like whatever you do like no matter what you do, you can come home and I'll be here for you. And that's so reassuring. And you can see why Gavin is such like a lovely character as well. Mm-hmm. And this is just so um, nice because every, I think every chapter up to this point has been from the perspective of Corin or Wedge or Kiritan lore, right? And so yeah. it's just nice to jump to a different character and to like have this flashback and kind of get almost their backstory for like their motivation for how they ended up here. And I really, mm-hmm. really hope that we get to see this with some of these other characters too, because like someone like Erisi, for example, like I think a chapter like this would really help us to understand what the heck she's even doing in Rogue Squadron and, and why. Like right. maybe maybe feel a little more warm towards her than we presently do. Right, because like all we know about her right now is like she wants to bang Corin and she's rich. <laughs> right, everything we know about her yeah. makes it seem like there's no yep. reason why she would. And she's hot. Oh yes, yeah. of course, yes. Yeah. And slender. she's J-Lo at the Grammys. She's slender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know that about every woman, though. <laughs> oh, wait, no, they didn't describe either of the new girls as slender, so no, maybe they're, they're not. They, they will be slender. Yeah, they or will. Or trim. They're trim. Yeah, trim. <laughs> so, you know, so Gavin thinks about that, and then Riv comes up to him and is like, Gavin, you ready to go? And Gavin, of course, is like, I don't know who Gavin is. You know, I'm Vin. <laughs> Um, and I'm gonna, like, just super cheesy, like, he's, like, so convinced and he's gonna do it now, he's gonna do it all the way. Um, and I'm just, I'm so glad they made it so he would be protective by Riv this whole time. So, good job. Good job, Elder Kraken. (laughs) Um, one last important detail that we learned from this chapter, Noara Ven wears capes. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. 
I love everything about Noir Event. He's so great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll this is kind of the starting point, um, where the rogues are like for the next series of books, um, like few books to finish out this arc. Um each of the rogues is gonna have their moments and we are gonna go back and learn more about them or at least see them in action without being tainted by someone else's view of them. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. so this is this is the starting of that and it's gonna it's gonna be good. Good. Yep. Backstory. Yes. Yeah. So good. So then in chapter seventeen, we go back to Wedge and Pash. And um, Wedge realizes that him and Pash actually have the most difficult task and that anything the other rogues could do um, would be useless unless they came away with a positive report. And their job is to assess the loyalty of the planet, which I wouldn't even know where to start with that. So good luck. <laughs> so Wedge... Yeah, what? <laughs> like, yeah. It's such a weird mission. <laughs> Go see how loyal they are. I guess are. they need to make sure, like, if they take over, they won't just be overthrown by the citizens. Or, or I mean, it's you see it, like, when you watch Star Wars Rebels, right? Um, with, like, the people of Lothal. When, like, if you talk to them and give them a message, are they going to help you? Are they going to help hide you and pretend they didn't see you when people come looking? Or, you know, are they going to be really quick to give you up in the end? Like... Yeah, it is important stuff. Yeah. Especially when they're doing all their secret stuff. And uh, so Wedge decided that the first thing to do about it was to tour the public Imperial facilities and gauge how the Imperials wanted people to see the rebellion and then see if that was actually working for them. So when we find them, they're at the Imperial Museum and they have like a bunch of crazy dioramas everywhere and like really upsetting because there's taxidermied Edwalks there. Yeah. I thought about you when I read and, that. Like there's a little, you know, plaque that says the Ewoks are extinct because of like malcontents <laughs> <laughs> as if the rebels went and killed them all. <laughs> like they partied with them. And did I read correctly that the empire made them look like, even cuter than they actually are. So that that people would feel even worse for the Ewoks. (laughs) Is that, like, even possible? (laughs) Already so cute. There's all baby Ewoks in there. The worst. Oh, no. No. Taxidermied baby Ewoks. The Imperials are so evil. Um, I mean, and, like, everything in the museum is slanted to make the visitor think that the Empire was always trying to do the right thing and had the best interests of its people in mind and that its enemies, a.k.a. the Rebellion, um, were ruining, actively ruining the galaxy, (laughs) which is kind of hard to swallow. And um, I wanted to read the the spin that they put on the Battle of Endor because it's just so ridiculous that I couldn't properly like properly um, explain it. So it's on page one thirty six. If you readers want to follow along. A holograph image of Darth Vader sizzled to life when Wedge had approached. Behold, my master and weep. He had been stolen from us by those who embrace hatred. The Emperor learned that the rebels had stolen plans for an Imperial planetary ore extractor and intended to use it to use the one they were fabricating at Endor on inhabited planets. He assembled his fleet, and heedless of personal danger, he had me take him to Endor. He infiltrated the half-completed extractor, offering these rebels his forgiveness and a hand in friendship. They rejected him and attacked his fleet. My master had no alternative but to destroy his Death Star himself, perishing in the process so his citizens could live on. I was slain with him, but my death did not distress me, for it came in service to my master. That's so screwed up. Especially yeah. like, 
<laughs> he's dead. He says in it that he's dead as right. well. So it's like they know <laughs> clearly that Darth Vader is not actually saying this. And they say the name Death Star. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they say it. <laughs> like if you're going to be like, oh, it's just an ore extractor, you should at least always call it an ore extractor. <laughs> right. Oh. Um. So that's apparently how the Battle of Endor happened. Seems legit. Yeah, yeah. And Wedge is like... I mean, this is a deeper discussion, but I also think it's interesting, like, the fact that it is Darth Vader and that they're using... Like, Darth Vader is more than just the person Darth Vader or the android, whatever. Like, Darth Vader is an idea. And they're, like, using that to perpetuate the story. And because, like, his voice can easily be replicated because it's just, like, computers Mm -hmm. and, you know, his body and everything. I don't know. I think that's kind of... Kind of really well, creepy. and it's just so interesting that they would use him because, like, from everything that we've seen, like, he's awful, you know? Mm-hmm. They're off conquering galaxies and slaying populations, and so then you're using him as, like, a protagonist in your museum? Like, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, do you, do you know what this guy did? But, you know, I wonder how many normal, like, folks visit that museum, or if it's just, you know, preaching to the choir, and it's all, like, the upper echelon, the Imperials who come and visit, who are seeing it, aren't just going to be like, oh, yes, so terrible. Right, because the people that are going to the museum are the ones that revered Darth Vader when he was alive, even. Yeah. Because the Emperor was great, and Darth Vader was the one who was, like, going out to worlds and, and bringing the order that the Emperor promised to make peace and happiness and blah. Oh. <laughs> something something but yeah it also it, it kind of plays into the whole thing with how kylo ren's obsession with darth vader and how it's more than mm-hmm. just like the person it's the idea of what he stood for yeah. yeah and it's the um you know like the last line especially you know that his sacrifice he didn't mind his sacrifice because it was for his master like that has a lot of similarities to like biblical uh things right where you know you sacrifice yourself for Jesus, because that's what Jesus did for us, right? It's the it's the idea that, like, basically Palpatine was this higher power um, and not just a man, which is really upsetting and freaky. And mm-hmm. So, Ky- Kylo Ren would have loved this museum. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> it's oh, like God. Disney World for him. Yeah. He'd be up, he'd spent all his money in the gift shop. Yeah. <laughs> he'd like get a copy okay. of this holographic Darth Vader and like play it in his room nonstop. <laughs> the worst. It's so good, so good. Oh my god, that's terrible, but so true. And so there's they move into the next room, which is all about the Jedi and the history of the Jedi, and it implies that Jedi corruption started when human Jedi started taking on non-human disciples. So, way to weave in that casual racism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ahsoka really Tano messed up the right. galaxy. Uh, it's right. Kit Fisto f- messed bet, up the galaxy. I bet the first non-human was a Bothan. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, by allowing lesser beings i guess into the order it turned them into like secret masters of the universe that would have enslaved us all <laughs> wait i want to go back to what he said meg do you know are there any characters in the eu that are both and jedi can you think of, any um, off the top of your head? not off the top of my head we'll throw that one to our listeners because i'm just curious yeah i don't i don't think so but I might also be wrong, um, especially if it happened pre-original um, trilogy, since okay. I don't really know a lot about that mm-hmm. life. I'm all post-RTJ. Yeah, Saf is our consultant pre-original yeah. trilogy. Yep. Yep. Wait, I can't, I can't think of anything. Yeah, I can't yeah, think of any. Um, like, I, I'm pretty sure I would remember, like, a... There might have been some, like, in the background and stuff, but there were never any, like, prominent characters. Named characters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the Bothan and Rogue One will be a secret Jedi. Oh, maybe. Well, oh, and, That like, was not meant to be a serious we have... proposition. <laughs> well, 
So we haven't gone to the point where we've learned about Bothans yet, but there could also be something in their culture that would indicate that, like, even if they were Force-sensitive Bothans, that they might not necessarily be allowed to go and join the Jedi Order. Uh, That was very good foreshadowing, Rogue Leader. Yeah. Because as we learn about their culture, like, they are very Bothan-centric. So um, they look unto themselves for everything. (laughs) And that's why... Uh, Borsk only wanted to free Bothans from Kessel. <laughs> yes. Yes. Also because he's terrible. So the Wedge notices that the museum used to have more space, like another like two rooms, um, about the Jedi and their evil exploits throughout the galaxy. But they have been sealed off since then. Um, and that comes back to us later. So just remember that. So Pash comes, and he was in the gift shop, and he bought the most popular souvenirs, including a Corsica stone resin statue of the Emperor that projects pictures of Palpatine when you project a laser through it. And he's going to give it to his dad, the Elder Kraken. That's so I cute. love that so much. <laughs> it's so good. He's like, Dad told me to bring something home. It's going to be this. Oh, I love it. I'm loving I, these cute father-son relationships. I know. They're good. These ones are good. Um, and he also bought two holodisks, and they are the Clone Wars and the Sacrifice of Endor. Okay, um, <laughs> out of universe, I just imagined him picking up like the Clone Wars season three on DVD. And <laughs> that's what he bought. <laughs> Accurate. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, and Wedge thinks it's a good sign because it shows the people's interest in the beginning and the end of the Empire of or the Emperor. And that like both of those things could be used by either side, like or neutral parties to confirm like Palpatine's death or to see the strength of the rebellion. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing that that the sacrifice of at Endor is the one that's being bought the most. And at least they're like accepting that the Emperor is dead. Right, exactly. And so Wedge th- like knows that everyone on Coruscant must be wondering how much the rebellion has survived and how it's going to affect their lives. So like it's in there and they have a presence, which is, you know, not too bad. And then of course the very end of the chapter wouldn't be nothing without a cliffhanger. So Wedge's wife, Mirax, shows up to smooch him and surprise him that her travel plans got all mucked up and now she help- needs his help to get it all sorted out. Aww. Uh-oh. What a cute surprise. Yeah, no, also he's not, very worrying. He's not happy about this. Yeah, what happened to Gavin? <laughs> uh, we won't know. She wasn't going to be with Gavin. Like, she was leaving. Yeah, she was leaving. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. They're, yeah. Okay, yeah. Gavin's good. So if something went wrong with, with leaving, yeah, it seems. Uh-oh. Um, Saf, can you answer a question really fast? Yes. What would your undercover identity be? My undercover identity? Yeah. Oh. Like, well, let's just, uh, let's just start with this. We'll all answer the question, and then we can do last week's question. Okay. I would probably go in as an actor of some kind. Like, community theater or something. But I, I, then I'd get to act all, like, upper, like, you know, snooty and stuff, and, like, I could act all emotional and weird, and people were like, oh, they're just an actor. It's fine. Right. Right. And I feel like... Like the Elder Kraken would actually make hollows of like the plays <coughs> and stuff, just to make oh my it God, super yes. interesting. Yes, that'd be good. See, I would. Yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now I I gotta hit out. Perfect. So. Good timing. Saf out. Bye, Saf. Saf out. Saf out. Do you guys want to answer the question? <laughs> I would be this like super aloof and awkward historian who's like doing research of some kind or something. What a nerd. You were invited to research at the Imperial Center. Yes, I'm writing. I'm writing a biography on the the Emperor. Of course, on Papa Palpatine. <laughs> but wouldn't that be your real identity in the Star Wars universe, Heath? <laughs> well, the assumption is that I'm a rogue. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, I'd be a zoologist studying rancor mating behaviors when in captivity. <laughs> I like that it's all just what we would be if we weren't pros. <laughs> you basically asked, what do you want to be when you right. grow up? <laughs> Meg would be studying Ewok culture, right? Um, I am an Ewok. I'm a visiting dignitary from Endor, oh, okay. obviously. <laughs> and then I'd have like my Ewok friends with me, because they're my entourage. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> so good. Excellent. Yep. So good. <laughs> So, listeners, tell us what your undercover tweet, identity would be. 
was like, he yeah. just usually say things. <laughs> Tweet at us. What would your undercover identity be if you were a rogue and had to sneak onto Coruscant? And maybe we'll read them next week. Like Heath's going to do now. Woo! So last week we snuck two questions in for you all. The first was, what is your fancy Moff name? <laughs> Greg said he would be Moff Beluga. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> Which confused me at first because, Greg, your avatar isn't a Beluga anymore. <laughs> He's still Beluga. So I saw this and I was like, wait, what? what? But then I, <laughs> We have another Rogue then, fan who wants I, to be a Beluga. <laughs> Then I remember There could only be one. Right? Um, Austin said, Grand Moff Snoke Plagueis, which we're not going to comment on and just move along. (laughs) Thanks, Austin. Jay said, my Moff name would be Snobby Toff, and instead of tea, I would serve Moffy on the Moff ship while holding a Moff (laughs) rinse. And to Jay, we give a standing ovation. (laughs) So many good Moff puns. I love it. It's really good. And then Ian said, my highfalutin moth name would be Higher Moth Gumbling Mantuin Mantuin the Third. <laughs> Which is absurd. <laughs> that that is a high... Great use so of the word highfalutin, way. by the way, Ian. <laughs> it's really good. That would just be really great because, like, you know, you would execute people if they laughed at your name, right? Yeah. 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 It'd be excellent. And then the second question, which was really the real question last week, was if you had to go on a secret mission, which rogue would you want to be paired with? Austin said, I'd want Wedge as my partner so I could ask him why he didn't want to be in the Force Awakens. To which we all roll our (laughs) eyes and move along. (laughs) Move along again. Um, Greg said, probably Wedge, most generally competent and would have hella good stories for the downtime. Hella. Nancy said, I'd go on a mission with Corum because he's easy. hey <laughs> I kind of feel like our listeners aren't taking us seriously anymore. What happened? I wonder what made that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one. <laughs> Jay said, I would partner with Wedge so I could teach him to love space politics. He might just space me, though. Mm-hmm. Ben said, I'd want to go on a mission with Wedge because, come on, guys, he's Wedge and Tilly's. Let's not overthink it. It's some flawless logic, actually. So far, we have four votes for Wedge because he's awesome, and one vote for Corrin because he's easy. <laughs> for those of you keeping count at home. Yeah. And then Sarah sent us three answers, actually, which is A, cheating, but B, we'll read them anyway. Um, she said, Rasadi, she seems super tough and fun, so she could protect me while we get up to hijinks. Yep. You know, if she wasn't spying on you. Right. Oh, my gosh. And then Erisi, you herself. <laughs> and then Eric, because the mission would be done in ultimate comfort and style thanks to her back to trust fund absolutely yeah although and then, i mean corin isn't really getting to take advantage of that is he no ayo um he will later oh and then Spoiler. sarah's last right sarah's last answer which i don't understand is west jansen We'd probably end up being arrested, but we'd have one hell of a good time getting in trouble. Yep. You'll understand that later. (laughs) Cool. Well, I'm going to do my best New Zealand accent here and say that if you want to answer... (laughs) Oh my god. If you want to answer our week's question, which again was, what would your undercover identity be? You can tweet at us at RoguePodron, or you can send us an email... And um, you should do that this week because we don't have we don't get a lot of emails, and it'd be fun to hear a long form story about your undercover identity. And if you send us that, we would definitely read it on the air. So roguepod at farfarawayradio.com. Uh, we have a website roguepodron.tumblr.com full of um, all sorts of heathy goodness, and you can subscribe to us via the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, and slash or feed burner. That was the worst New Zealand accent I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you didn't even try <laughs> it is like that isn't it <laughs> jeez Danny <sighs> well make sure you tune in next time for X-Wing Wedges Gamble chapters 18 through 21 we haven't really figured out what the gamble is yet have we No. I mean we're kind of it, foreshadowing towards it I well, guess but is this whole mission the gamble? This whole mission's a gamble. Because <laughs> oh, okay. it was Wedge's idea, right? Uh, yeah, I mean... Kind of? He 
chose to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, like, when we got to that part, when, like, this whole thing was forming, I legit said in my head, I was like, well, that's a bit of a gamble. And I was like, oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's like when I was watching the movie, and I was like, there's a lot of wars in these stars. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it all makes sense. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew, 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 pew. Pash, pash. Pash, pash. <laughs> Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. Hey, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> you guys shake it like a Polaroid picture, Danny. <laughs> I oh, always it's... shake it like a Polaroid picture. Like, what else could you shake it like? It's You're true. not supposed to shake a Polaroid picture. <laughs> <laughs> Saf, you would. <laughs> I know. And <laughs> um, Deadpool, he starts shaking the Polaroid, and I was like... <laughs> And all my friends looked at me. Hey, spoilers. Like, I did the, I did the really stressed intake of breath. I was like, no. <laughs> That's like the least stressful thing you could be stressed out about in that movie. <laughs> it's the most stressful thing in the entire movie to me. You're so funny. <laughs> mm. Okay. Let's pop the cast. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. I guess. It's happening. <laughs> Catching on. Rogue Pod makes things so popular. <laughs> Are we all going to sub? Does it, or do we just think it does? <laughs> uh, it's popular with us. We're pretty popular. <laughs>I'm hella scrappy, son. Was that your name, yeah, Rolling I'm afraid Scrappy Saffy? <laughs> no. You should add, add, add that to your list. Scrap, scrappy Saffy. It'll be my next Twitter name. Yeah. It's <laughs> really good. Yeah. <laughs> if you're ever feeling drunk and silly, you can be Slap Happy Saffy. Oh my god. Or if you're feeling just plain violent, you can be Slappy Saffy. And if you're feeling kind of constipated, you can be Crappy Saffy. Wow. You've thought about these far too much, Danny. Nope, this is all happening right now. This is all yes, right this now. Is the magic of improv. Is this what you learn at improv? Yes. Yep. <laughs>